So earlier this month, I had to go to Alaska to help my daughter with some child care. And I want you to know that the two Sundays I missed at service time, I logged in to see what the temperature was. And both days, it was colder here than it was in Alaska. Um, so, but, uh, so because she lives on an island, I had to fly. I couldn't drive. Uh, and so you get on the plane, and if you've ever been on a plane before, you know that they stand up and they do the safety message. You know, in the event of a crash, this happens. If you're sitting over the wings, da-da-da, don't smoke, all that kind of thing. And I'm not listening uh, because I've heard it before, and I'm thinking nobody's been able to legally smoke on a plane in 40, almost 50 years. Why, why do we need to keep saying this? So she finishes her spiel, we take off, I look out the window, and I can see water. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm flying over the Gulf of Alaska in January. What do I do if the plane goes down? And I forgot what to do in the event because I wasn't listening to the message because I didn't think it applied to me. Uh, and I think sometimes we can look at Proverbs that way. We might say, well, this doesn't apply to me, it's for somebody else, it's not really for me. And like Tim said, we've been going through Proverbs this month, and today is the last day, and I'm doing the last chapter, Proverbs 31. Uh, and if you read through Proverbs 31, you might think, well, what does this have to do with me? A lot of Proverbs, I think, can apply to everybody. Like last week, uh, Ben talked to us about an honest answer is a kiss of friendship. So being honest with yourself, being honest with uh, your friends, being honest with God is really important. Uh, here's one of my favorite Proverbs. Uh, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Now, I don't care if you believe in the Bible or not. That's a powerful image. Uh, and it's an effective image because any of us that have friends or relatives in abusive relationships or with drug and alcohol problems, and you watch them go back, and it's the same kind of feeling watching a dog do that. Wait a minute, you, you, you know how bad this is. Why are you doing it again? Uh, but there's proverbs like that. Uh, here's another favorite. Pride, go, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. That's the plot in 90% of movies we see, isn't it? Where the, the criminal gets too proud of himself and he makes his mistake and he gets caught. How many of us, how many of us have seen football games where somebody's running down the field on, uh, for a touchdown, and about 15 yards out, he holds the ball up to celebrate, and he drops it. I mean, we've all seen that happen, uh, and we know that's true, and it's actually in a lot of cultures just besides the Bible. So a lot of the Proverbs you can read and say, yeah, I can see the wisdom there. But you get to chapter 31, and most of chapter 31 is about finding a virtuous and capable wife. And you might think, well, what does that have to do with me? For me, I've already found a virtuous and capable wife. Uh, I'm not trading her in. And having won the lottery once, I have no desire to play it again. So the rest of you are going to have to just, you know, find your own virtuous and capable wives. If you are a wife, you're probably not going to be looking for a virtuous and capable wife. If you're not married, maybe you don't have plans to get married ever, or it's way off in your future. What does this have to do with you? Well, it's actually a Hebrew poem, uh, and it's an acrostic, because each of, the, each of the verses starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So the first verse would start with like A, and it goes A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and H 
is verse 23 where it says the husband sits at the gates, everybody respects him, and then it goes G-F-E-D-C-B-A down to the end. That's really cool if you read Hebrew, but I don't think very many of us read Old Testament Hebrew. Uh, the fact is Proverbs was written for young men. I think Matt even said that uh, the first week, uh, four weeks ago when we started out Proverbs. This wasn't that Solomon and the writers of Proverbs said, we don't want to help girls. It was that only men could read. Uh, very few men were taught to, very few boys would go to school. Uh, boys that they figured were going to become scribes or leaders of some sort. Uh, if you were a farmer, you didn't teach your boy how to read. He wasn't going to need to. Girls were not educated hardly at all because a girl's role was not going to involve being a leader or anything like that. If you were wealthy and you wanted to get your daughter married off to somebody wealthy, you might have her go to school to learn how to dance or paint. Very rarely girls would learn how to read. And we actually have surviving manuscripts from like the Renaissance and older of women that did learn to read and were instantly frustrated with, wait a minute, everything is closed to me and I'm smarter than most of these guys I see. So really until the last 200 years, women weren't educated. So this was written for young men. Well, that doesn't apply to too many of us. I haven't been a young man for a long time. And uh, the ladies here are not young men. So what do we do with this? God obviously left it in the Bible because it applies to everybody. Uh, in the movie Marshall, uh, Chadwick Boseman played the civil rights lawyer uh, Thurgood Marshall, and he was defending a black man who was uh, accused unjustly and had had his constitutional rights violated. And he's speaking to some reporters on the courthouse steps, and he says, the Constitution wasn't written for us, wasn't written for African Americans. We know that. But no matter what, we're going to make it work for us. From now on, we claim it as our own. And I think that needs to be our position with Proverbs, really with all Scripture. Maybe it wasn't written for us. Uh, maybe it was written for men and you're a woman. Maybe it was written 5,000 years ago and you live in 2021. But we're going to make it work for us. We're going to claim it as our own. So how can we do that with Proverbs? How can you make Proverbs 31 your own? Well, let's take a look at what Proverbs 31 says. Let's take a look at this, indus this wife. And one thing we can say about her is that she is industrious. This is a woman that is busy very busy. She spins wool and flax, uh, which <clears throat> most people wouldn't do. Uh, she obtains and prepares food, so she goes great distances to get the food. They couldn't just go to a supermarket and put a bunch of stuff in the cart and then walk out with it. They had to, you know, if they, if they wanted oranges, they had to go find somebody who had oranges. Uh, and then she prepared the food. She supervised workers. Could be maids, could be servants, could be the children. Uh, so she has supervisory responsibility. And she makes sure her family are wearing high-quality cloth. Uh, the scarlet is usually the very highest quality. So they're not going to get cold when they're sitting outside in the middle of winter. Uh, she purchases land. She buys a vineyard and uses the profits. Uh, that would be very unusual for anybody to buy land. For a woman, it would be extremely unusual and energetic. Uh, she runs a business, several businesses. She sells the cloth she makes. You get an impression of a wise, kind, diligent woman in these verses. Respected by one and all. 
the other thing is that she in those roles is other-centered, and she's part of a partnership. Uh, her husband can trust her, Proverbs 31, 11, and 12 says, and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of his life. And the husband knows it. The husband praises her, uh, says, you know, there are a lot of women out there, but you outdo them all. And the husband has a position of authority. He sits at the city gates. The gates of a city is where all the commerce happened. Uh, the leading people would sit at the gates, and then when a caravan came in, they'd tax it or say, no, don't bring that here. Uh, if you ever read Ruth, you'll see that was where the uh, Ruth and Boaz, they worked out that marriage, was at the gate. So if he's sitting at the gate, this is a person of some authority and prestige. And the way that the poem is built, the writer wants you to know he's able to do that because of who's at home, who's got his back. So how can we apply this to us in the 21st century? Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is don't use this to correct your spouse. Guys especially, don't go home tonight or this afternoon and say, look, I read Proverbs 31 and uh, you're none of these things. Uh, First of all, you're probably not going to get her to say, oh, you're right. I've, I've never been that way. I'm going to start cracking down. But second of all, that's not the way God did us. That's not how God brought us to him. He didn't say, you're losers. You're going to go to hell. He loved us. And so this might be something that you could look at. And if your wife, if your spouse isn't that way, you could pray, you know, what can we do about that? Uh, but you can't apply it directly. I've known guys, not personally, but I've read about guys that would read this, would go to their wife and say, well, you don't measure up, so I'm going to divorce you and upgrade to somebody who does. Uh, and I don't see that there's any support for that in Scripture. But the fact is, Proverbs was written for young men. Can we flip the gender? In other words, verses that say a woman this or a man that, does it work the other way? And I think quite often it does. For instance, Proverbs 21.9 says it's better to live alone in the quarter of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Uh, when dad would quote that to my mother, I'm going to live on the roof. One day my mother said, I will give you a ladder and a sleeping bag right now. He chickened out. Uh, but doesn't it work if we change the genders on that? I think it does. Wouldn't it be better to live on the roof than in a house with a contentious, abusive man, with a man that hits you or tells you how worthless you are. Yes, I would think that definitely, account, that definitely applies. So the genders can work either way. Uh, Proverbs 27:15: a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. Well, wouldn't a quarrelsome husband be the same way? A husband that's abusive, a husband that's always telling his wife, oh, he doesn't measure, she doesn't measure up, wouldn't that be annoying to live with? And Proverbs 12.4 says, A worthy wife is a crown for her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like cancer in his bones. Doesn't that work the other way too? A worthy husband is a crown for the wife, but a disgraceful husband is like cancer. Uh, I actually know of somebody whose husband is retired and won't do anything, and the woman is sick all the time. And... Proverbs 12.4 tells us that's going to happen. So it can happen either way. So try and interpret Proverbs not as it's written, but think, okay, if I flip the gender, if I say man instead of woman here, 
does it still provide a truth? And I think it does. So let's take a look at Proverbs 31 that way. Uh, and this would apply not only to husband and wife, but I think it would apply to everybody in the house as well, to all of the members of a family and a community. Uh, so Proverbs 31, the woman spins wool and flax. Now, I don't know what all of your household roles are. Every household does it differently. Uh, some households, the woman does the money. Some households, the man pays all the bills. Uh, but what are the man's responsibilities? And I just picked a guy. Suppose his job is to keep the cars maintained. Was well, he doing that? Is he making sure the cars are reliable? Uh, he's in charge. Maybe he's in charge of home maintenance. Well, is he doing that? Is he keeping up with? Is, are the toilets unplugged? Uh, are there dangerous situations that he can't be bothered with because the Super Bowl's next week, and I'm I'm too busy thinking about that? Uh, the woman inspects a field and buys it. Uh, but you can think about that as carefully and wisely considering major transactions. Uh, are you doing that, male or female? Uh, I knew a guy who got married and three months into the marriage, without asking his wife, brought home a golf cart, which was way more than they can afford. And it was a bit of a surprise to her because he didn't golf. Uh, the marriage went downhill quickly after that. Uh, but are you a person that says, I had a bad day at work, I'm going to go buy a new truck without consulting with the other person in your household? Uh, when you look at that truck, are you looking for the things that can go wrong there? Are you evaluating it wisely, as the woman in Proverbs 31 does? And Proverbs 31:27, the woman suffers nothing from laziness. Uh, are we all making sure that we're doing our part at home? Are we doing those things that we know we're supposed to do? Or are we on the couch uh, hoping that someone else will do them? Or the toilet will magically unplug itself? Uh, or the diaper will magically get changed by itself. There's another way we can look at Proverbs 31 too. Because if you're single and thinking, I'm never going to get married, so what does this have to do with me? <clears throat> I live alone and I never have arguments about who takes out the trash. Well, Proverbs uses the idea of wisdom as a woman. Wisdom is personified as a woman. Proverbs 1.20 says, Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. And it goes on like this for another 20 verses. And it picks up again in chapter 8. So wisdom is personified as a woman. So when we look at women, we could look in Proverbs, we could also look as that representing the wise way of doing things. So there's a foolish woman in Proverbs. And I've got the verses on the slide. If you're home, you can see them. If not... You can go back and look at them later. Proverbs 5, 3 to 23, or Proverbs 6, or Proverbs 9. There's a foolish, maybe an adulterous woman uh, that does bad things. But are only women foolish and adulterous? I certainly don't think so. Uh, and <clears throat> is that a course of action we should take? And then the wise woman of Proverbs 31. So you can look at Proverbs 31 as being kind of the bookend, as being... Okay, we said wisdom was like a woman, and here in Proverbs 31, we're going to say, this is what your life looks like if you're wise. If you choose wisdom, this is what your life, your home life is going to look like, what your life is going to be like. The last two verses of uh, Proverbs, Proverbs uh, 31, 30, and 31, says, charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. Traditionally, we've interpreted that 
for women, because only women are charming, right? Um, and so, you know, we, well, beauty doesn't last, so don't spend a lot on that facial. But I think nowadays a lot of guys could, could uh, go for this too. How many guys are working on six-packs right now at gyms? But inevitably, Tim raised his hand, inevitably that six-pack is going to sink. Because beauty, physical beauty doesn't last, but a woman or a man who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Your body, no matter what you're doing to it, is going to decay. It's going to get older. Uh, I rode my bike yesterday about 28 miles, and I was completely tanked. I have done 120 in a day, but I was much younger then. Things don't work as well. That's going to happen to our body. We take care of this body, but it's going to go away. But your relationship with the Lord is never going away. It's always going to be there, and reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. So you can look at Proverbs 31 as being, this is wisdom. This is what wisdom is when it works. If we're going to talk about wisdom, we've got to talk about getting closer to God. The ABC prayer that we talk about every week at Journey. We have to admit that we're all naturally foolish. Uh, Proverbs 14.12, also 16.25 says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. We've all read self-help books, and unless they're Christian-centered, unless they're biblically-centered, it's just going to be somebody else giving you their foolishness. And maybe you've even read them, and you change your life, and it doesn't work, and you go find another one. Uh, and they seem right. You, for the first five days, you say, well, this makes sense to me. But it ends in death. So we can try as hard as we want with ourselves. We're never going to get wise on our own. Uh, we're naturally foolish, and we'll hop from one foolish thing to another. But the only way to wisdom is through Jesus. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of Lord is the foundation of wisdom. And when we talk about fear of the Lord, it's not fear in the sense we mean it in the English, like, Ugh, but it's more respect. He's God, I'm not. He knows what he's doing, I don't. I'm going to respect and... I'm going to respect his positions. I'm going to give them listening because he's God and I'm not. It's the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Without believing in God, without following Jesus, you are never going to get to wisdom. But the more you know him, the more wisdom he's going to be giving you. But we have to remember to commit, and we do this, because people are watching us. Tim talked about the front row. And uh, the idea of the front row is that we have 8 to 15 people that are watching us closely. If you can think of this as kind of a basketball game. The 8 to 15 are in the courtside seats. There are people way up there in the cheap seats. The people in the courtside seats can tell every mistake you're making. And that's how it works with people in our front row. If we have family members and we're saying... Uh, you know, I believe in Jesus, and I go to church every Sunday, and I read the Bible, and yet we do foolish things, they're going to wonder, well, what good is this? You, you say you believe in him, but you're not changing your life any. Uh, Proverbs 24.12 in the message says, Someone is watching you closely, you know. Someone not impressed with weak excuses. And I have, there have been many times in my life when I've thought about doing something, and I go, wait a minute. i got people watching me. i got to go home and justify this to people. How am I going to justify it? This is stupid. It's foolish. Uh, the pressure of someone watching you 
can help you stay on that uh, wise path. Uh, Proverbs 117, the message says, nobody robs a bank with everyone watching. We know you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't walk into a bank when everybody was there. You'd do it when nobody's there. Sometimes we'll say, well, I can get away with this because nobody's watching. But that's not true. And the people watching the closest are the ones you have the most influence over. And you can make a powerful difference in their life if you choose wisdom. But if you choose foolishness, your influence is going to go the other way. I think that's what bothers us so much when we hear that ministers are having affairs with their secretaries. It's bad enough that you, that you uh, disregarded your marriage vows, but you're supposed to know how to do wisdom as a pastor. And you did foolishness. So we got people watching us in that front row. And that can help us commit to and stay uh, with wisdom. So the big challenge this week, if you haven't finished reading Proverbs, do that. And there are people in our church that read through Proverbs every month. They start on the first in chapter one and they just go and they restart every month. That's not a bad thing to do. Uh, there's a lot in Proverbs. You could read it every month for the rest of your life and you'll never get all of it. And then we have a new plan starting up, the Gospels 30. We're going to be reading through the Gospels for the next 30 days, February and a teeny bit of March. If we're going to get wise, we've got to get to know Jesus, the most wise person that ever was. We have to become more like him, or we're just going to keep being more and more foolish. And a concrete thing is to do a job that you've been putting off. If it's something your parents asked you to do, get it done. If it's a job around the house, and I've been deliberately this week as I've been working on this, my wife will say, you need to get this done. And I'm thinking, I need to be diligent. I need to be part of this marriage. I can't just be lazy and sit back and hope that this picture will hang itself, but I've got to go ahead and do it. I've got to do one tomorrow I've been putting off. I don't like to do it. But being industrious, being wise, involves doing those things that don't feel good. So this week... If there's something you've been putting off around the house or in your life, if you're single, something, you know, I haven't gone to DMV and fixed this. I really should have done it six months ago, but I better do it now. Do something you've been putting off. If all of us were more industrious, were more like the people that we see in Proverbs 31, how different would our families and our communities be? People could see us and they would say, there is somebody that's acting wisely. I want to know how they can do that when there's so much foolish every, everywhere else. Let's pray.